Introducing the Little Giants Podcast, brought to you by Highlight Hub, hosted by Eric Allison and Joey Riccatoni. He drops back to pass. I know, you don't need to tell him to. The zero viewers on live won't have heard that but um there's one there's one i don't know who it is maybe it's you i, I think it's that me counts. anyways it's me. anyways this is episode 35 for otis floyd oh That's yeah right. <laughs> we're, we're, we're breaking into the cfl baby slowly uh, surely the machine gun sack seller yeah cody says good evening gentlemen hello cody how are you no how are you bud how are you? How are if we? If I don't see you, and if I don't see you, how are you? <laughs> All right. Um, how are you, Joe? How are you? Well, I figured out that I have uh, a vein syndrome. You figured it out, or you just Googled it because your go- thumb hurts? I Googled it, and it's all pointing towards this wrist pain that I've been dealing with for almost. 11 months now i mean that's like a an inflammation of like the sheath around the tendons and stuff like that yeah but i think that's it's like it. push i mean the wrist is like so tightly packed in there so it's it it's right it makes here. sense but it's right here Don't you think neither of us are doctors you are on no the road to becoming one yeah but a doctor of philosophy not a doctor <laughs> not an md no you're so. a doctor of poetry let's get that straight okay i mean hey that's that's what they say about me it's not my formal training but i am a poet <laughs> i am a warrior you're a west hill warrior of poetry a west hill warrior poet yes correct exactly 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 so super bowl's over nfl's over a lot of free agent chit chat and a lot of extracurricular football stuff going on like i don't know about you but i was so lost this sunday i had no clue like i just like this like on sunday i worked for eight hours because i'm just like i don't know what else i'm supposed to do i'm bored right yeah i don't even like with covid you're sitting at home you know it's like no football now what am i supposed to do on a sunday all day right Um, exactly. And I literally threw on soccer for a little bit. I threw on sock. I th- <laughs> humble brag. Yeah. I threw on soccer for a little bit on Sunday. That's how lost I was. The wrong what game. Did you watch? Is this a soccer podcast now? No, it's a football podcast, but maybe football, we can, football, we can ca- capture some British or Eastern European fans by your accent there. Um, thank you. Thank you. But um, it was, who was it? It was, uh, it was an English team. It wasn't Manchester United. Uh, it was the other one. But, Liverpool. I don't know. Uh, Arsenal. It, it was Arsenal. 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 That's who it was. Very nice. There was one goal, but uh, that's besides the fact. Johnny Manziel, back in football. In the fan-controlled football league, which, by the way, almost 100% positive we could both play in. You think so? Yes. See, this is one of those things where people go, oh, NBA, NFL players, they're treated, they're, they're treated so poorly. But you're paid millions of dollars, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes, you get traded, your life gets uprooted, but you're not running around being told what plays to run. 
and yeah. what sell like this is a black mirror episode i feel like this fan is it actually called the fan controlled football league yeah i don't like that but like dude it's like you can't tell me the level of play in the fan controlled football league is higher than oua football yeah there's no way it is i I couldn't. I just. I, I, I couldn't feel like. Imagine. I feel like the Steel City Patriots are like, <laughs> like, on par with the, with that league. That's how I feel, dude. And I, because I feel that way, this is like the most like this is the hardest thing to watch. To watch Johnny Manziel go from a first round pick to playing in the fan controlled football league and like tearing it up. Like he had a great game, but it so was in what the FC. Yeah. FL. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's my thing because he kind of came out on social media coming at Baker and the Browns. Little subtweets here and there regarding the Browns and the organization because they kind of gave up on him to a degree. I I guess even though we're I think we're really fifteen to twenty years probably away from the truth truth of Johnny Manziel as a player and what went wrong and oh I'm struggles I'm with positive. addiction and this and that right I'm positive that the coaching staff in Cleveland at that time didn't really give him a lot of support right and like didn't set him up to succeed there's no doubt about that but like even still like you can't be a, an all time great quarterback when you're struggling with addiction. And that's, right. that was his thing, right? But it's like he got a lot of opportunities in the CFL. Nothing happened, right? A lot of opportunities in the CFL. And I remember when the Tiger Cats picked him up, hometown team, uh, we were all crazy hyped. Oh, I was so pumped. But there was also Jeremiah Masoli, who had time and time again showed flashes of brilliance, right? And really exceptional play for Hamilton. He had that crazy comeback. He has the biggest comeback in CFL history. I'm pretty sure that game against Edmonton from like three or four years ago. And he had a great attitude about it and he proved it and he won that job and they ended up moving him to Montreal. And we were like, why would everyone in the city was like, why would you just let him walk? That's a huge draw. And it's the same thing. Why the Browns let him walk and why he's in the FCFL now. It's, it's clear that the risk to reward is heavily outweighed towards the negative side of that equation, right? Well, it's like he was already a guy who like a lot of teams had question marks about him independent of his off the field stuff. It's just like, does he have what it takes to be a great player right. in the NFL? And like, I, I don't know if he did like that kind of improv style of play only works so much. Like you see Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they make it look amazing when they do it sometimes. But Johnny Manziel tried to do it every single play like he did at Texas A&M. Right. And it's just, it doesn't work. The the game is too fast. Also, and you look at that Texas A&M team. He had the best jump ball guy in the country. He had Mike Evans, who's a top five guy in the league now. Still, still. Yeah, still. And, And so it makes it way harder to evaluate but now looking back at it like the video of him on vine going i can't hear you i got too much money like that whole thing is awesome oh yeah (laughs) that's what i wanted to be how 
are you drafted in the first round as a quarterback? Uh, only the Browns. I don't think anyone would have taken him. Maybe the Cowboys. If he had slipped, that's the only other team probably that would have taken him. But how do you see that and go, oh, yeah, that's our guy? Like the Baker Mayfield stuff with him getting hit by the cops. He's drunk. He's trying to get away from the cops. It's not good. It's not a good luck. He got nailed on that hit and he deserved it. But he was also the most, but he was also the most efficient college football quarterback ever. You know, that three year stretch he had is the most efficient quarterback play in college football history. Hmm. Right. So, So, like, he at least, like, I I don't know. I, I don't like the Baker to Johnny comparison. The only comparison you can make is that they're both short and they both played for Cleveland. But, the the Johnny Mitt, like the Browns in that era are just hilariously bad at drafting because they Justin Gilbert. Yeah, Justin Gilbert, Johnny Manziel, but before that, even it was like the Trent Richardson and Brandon Whedon draft. Dude, that you know, it's like the Browns are the only team that would take Johnny Manziel in the first round, right after taking a 30-year-old rookie quarterback in the first round. And I just dropped my pen. I'm so appalled and ashamed of the history of this team, but that's really how bad it was. People, kids, I guess that was like 10 years ago now. So there's a lot of kids that have gotten into football and are Browns fans now who probably have no clue what it was like, but these kids have no idea how good they have it. Barkevious Mingo, Justin Gilbert, Trent Richardson, (laughs) Brandon Whedon, Johnny Manziel. What? Uh, the yeah. list could keep on going forever, right? And it's it's really amazing how far they have come, but also it's a sad thing. Here's the, the, the what I was trying to say before. Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel, both guys that did not care about football. Yeah. So many stories came out about Justin Gilbert. They're like, he doesn't really work out in the offseason. He doesn't really try hard in practice. He doesn't know the playbook. And so you have that as your lockdown corner opposite <laughs> of Joe Hayden. And then your starting quarterback just doesn't care. Mr. Can't be yeah. bothered, right? How how do you unless you're What's the evaluation process there? Like, how do you like interview a guy like Justin Gilbert and not pick up that he doesn't care about football? Right. I I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I think that's where coaching becomes so valuable. If you can wind up changing a player like that for the better. But I think from a quarterback perspective, these are grown men, dude, these are grown men. Like they're grown men, but then again, we got to th- like we're three years older now than these kids getting drafted. Think about us three years ago. We weren't the smartest bunch, especially if you think about being a quarterback and coming out to lead. Like Trevor Lawrence is a baby. The kid is a baby, and he's gonna come out and change a franchise. But you could but you could never ready. get me. You could never get me to go all in on something I didn't love right. three years ago. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Is like. These are grown men enough to know, like, hey, like, am I going to be able to put in all my energy into doing this for the next 10 years? It's like at 21, 22, you know that much. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Absolutely. Anyways. Absolutely. And Sam's making a comment. I remember you were upset when they didn't take Johnny Manziel with the first pick, LOL. And that's true. I was also 17 years old and very stupid. And that's the kind of thing. I, I called the Trent Richardson trade. I called it a year or pick a year before it happened. And yeah, Nico Canavo even came out. And he was like, dude, I got to give this to you. You called this one. And again, you did. This is me calling these picks. I could have been running the Browns, theoretically. As and, a 16-year-old. And had a, the same amount of success drafting as they did. But I probably wouldn't have whiffed on Justin Gilbert and Barkevius Mingo. And I don't think you would have taken Brandon Whedon in the first round either. People were like, they didn't even know he was there. They thought he was serving drinks in the back room. What is Brandon Whedon doing getting drafted? He's literally some of these guys. He's the same age as the professors that these guys are learning at the colleges they're going to. Like Brandon Whedon. I remember there was this sports science thing with that guy who's always really happy with the flipped up hair. Yeah. What's his name? I don't know, but he's just, he's like five foot two. It yeah. seems like, yeah. or he's just like always around athletes, but he looks five foot two yeah. at all times. He's like, here's this arbitrary challenge. We came to kind of justify the bad pick that your team made. And it was Brandon Whedon hitting clay pigeons with a football. It's like, he's dead eye accurate. It was like, you probably shot this 500 times. And it also means nothing. It means nothing. Clay pigeons, baby. Yeah. Clay Aiken. Anyways, I I just wanted to talk about that Johnny Manziel thing because it really bummed me out to like see all these sports pages like posting his highlights from the fan controlled football league. It was just like, just leave him alone. Just if he's having fun playing football, that's great. Don't give this this the light of day (laughs) you know it's just it's humiliating almost yeah no it's it's definitely sad and really why wouldn't you just stay in the cfl you could have been back in the nfl with the people don't the xfl whatever the cfl is an established league and it's respected in this country play here you'll have a great fan base and there's transfer mark tressman even even if he stayed in the CFL and never made his way back to the NFL, but became an established CFL quarterback, you're still making like three hundred, four hundred thousand bucks a year, right? Oh, dude, absolutely. And the fans here love you. The fans here would love you. So, like, that's what I mean. He he chose to leave the CFL and go play in these like offshoot American leagues, right? And so. I mean, as long as you're not playing in Saskatchewan, it's like life's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just kidding. Um not really. But so yeah. Sam Sam gives us the perfect segue into our next topic. JJ Watt officially released landing officially. spots. Let's talk about officially. it. I would like to address one more thing. People being like, oh, they they let JJ Watt walk, but not Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So different. They're not going to let their first round pick who still has four years left on his contract or whatever. 25 years old franchise quarterback versus the third best quarterback in the league versus a 30 something year old pass rusher. Who's great, but deserves to go win now versus someone who is on the back end. Yeah. He's on the back nine, right? Versus someone who can change their organization still like 
Deshaun yeah. Watson could still do that with enough good pieces. So that so let's just get that out of the way. But um, JJ Watt, apparently, I I've really people at first were saying, oh, like he, he's going to go to the Steelers and team up with his brother TJ. First of all, he's not going to do that. Marquise Pouncey, both the Pouncey twins officially retired. That offensive line is done. Like, yeah, because Villanueva is walking. Yeah. Pouncey's retiring. And who's, you know, Pittsburgh is in the dumps as of right now. So that's a no win situation. It's so weird. I don't know if it's because of COVID and like the, the salary cap is like, going to be going down but so many teams are in like salary cap hell right now right like the saints have to have a fire sale on all their great players right. it seems like the steelers too like they're letting everyone walk and still somehow have no money mm-hmm. like i don't know what's the deal with like so many teams being so strapped for cash and then you see like teams like the the rams right like i don't even know where they're getting this money from they have like 15 huge contracts right so i think it's probably it's like the mortgage crisis in the sense where it's like all right these huge contracts with these adjustable rates that are going to go up at a certain you're just saying words you don't know what you're talking about the subprime rate no you're just saying things. the subprime (laughs) and the lenders are giving too much so the seo it's got to be seo but I think it's one of those things where it's like a lot of big contracts and all the whatever, the extensions and what it's just all hitting yeah. at once. It's and all like backloaded contracts and stuff like that. Yeah. This is okay. where I take out a baseball bat and do the mad money guy and like crush a mug or something and tell you who to buy and who to sell. All right. JJ Watt, you think you think the Browns are a good fit? Dude, I think that's a great fit. I, okay, Colin Coward, we got to give a shout-out to that guy. He had a blood clot, but he ain't Jamaican, man, Kanye West. Um, so that sucks. He almost died, but he's doing good. But I got to roast him because he came out. He was like, J.J. Watt's not going to go to the Browns. Why wouldn't you rather go? And he was like, the Bills and the Chiefs are consistently putting up Ws. Like, okay, the Bills have been good for three years now. They're obviously on a good trajectory. And and then he was talking about how other teams like they're leading more in games, so it's going to mean more sacks for him. It's like I don't think that's really what he's calculating. Why would you not want to go to a line with Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, Miles Garrett, and then JJ Watt? Yeah, gonna- I mean, if you're the Browns and you're just swapping Vernon for Watt, I do that, no question. One hundred, because you'll probably get Watt on a cheaper contract, anyways. Um. I like JJ Watt to the Bills too. I think that's a good fit for him. Mm-hmm. I it's think like, with the Bills move though, he's asked to shoulder way more of a load. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's probably who do the Bills even have on the defensive line? Jerry Hughes, Sam will name the rest, but Jerry Hughes, Jerry Hughes is already pretty old. Um yeah, I mean, I think J.J. Watt would probably be, like, the guy on that defensive line as opposed to in Cleveland. You might even be able to get – oh, yeah, Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver, sorry. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think in Cleveland you kind of have the luxury of playing him less snaps and getting more out of him. Definitely. Definitely. Because he's still an effective player in Houston. And Houston's had some great defensive years and some poor ones, but he's all, excuse me, he's always been that bright shining star. And I think to be able 
like the year Sheldon Richardson had. And Sheldon Richardson was never the player J.J. Watt was, but he had a great year and he was really effective with the snaps that he was given. And I think you could do the same with J.J. Watt. And you've solidified the opposite end from Miles Garrett. Your pass rush is boosted. Him as a run defender is very yeah, he's understated. Great. He's right? still great. I think, I think like that gives the Browns a serious boost because you see, you see like the last couple Super Bowl teams. You see like, um, you know, you see Tampa Bay and they have four guys that can get after the, the QB. And like right. when Philly won the Super Bowl, they had like their defensive line ran eight deep. They right. could go, they could rotate eight guys in and get after the quarterback. And I think that's what you need. It's not enough to have one great pass rusher, and that's what. Cleveland is right now. It's like Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson are great, but they only have one guy that can really, really get after the quarterback. Right. Right. And everything else is like dependent on being crafty with dropping linebackers into coverage and sending corners and all that. And it's just not really, we saw it. We saw it all year and it always happens. It comes down to who can keep it simple and affect with the fundamentals be effective with the fundamentals and not have to do too much where you expose yourself on the back end or whatever it is there's just always a caveat to being overly crafty and it comes down to when you start getting punched in the mouth and you just have to outperform and out physical and be more technically sound those are the teams that win and that's exactly what happened with tampa bay in the super bowl and throughout the playoffs too it was the teams who were glitzy and glamour they they don't make it all the way through. If the Bills had a great run game and more of a stout defensive line with a J.J. Watt yeah. and another good running back, they probably would have played in the Super Bowl. Speaking of Tampa, I also think I could see J.J. Watt just saying, hey, like, where can I win? A, where, what's my best bet to win a Super Bowl? And it might be Tampa. They're not going to re-sign Nadam Kung Su. Mm-hmm. They might be able to keep Barrett, but if they lose them both, and J.J. Watt comes in on a team-friendly contract, like, I think you still need another um, end, like, edge rusher. Mm -hmm. Because I think at this point in his career, like, J.J. Watt would be best as a three-tech. Right. It's like you have Vite Villa as the one-tech, and then J.J. Watt as the three-tech, and then JPP and whoever as the edge rushers. I think that's a dangerous, a really dangerous D-line. Definitely. It definitely is. It definitely is. But I think that's where you get a little it kind of it's kind of reminds me of the Cavs a little bit when they got LeBron and they had a good young core with like Della Vadova and Kyrie and all that early on. And then they just ended up being like, okay, free agent at the end of your career, come in, play for nothing, do your role. And then that's LeBron teams, right? Like right. And I don't think Brady wants it to be your place to come and die and retire because he's a, not going to put up with that kind of mentality where it's just going to be given. He wants to come out and work. And I think that's why he likes young guys because they still have that passion to go out there and work hard every day. The energy that Devin White's going to give you. And I think JJ would bring that too, obviously, because he's that kind of pedigree of player. But I think with the Adrian Peterson wanting to go to Tampa, like Sam mentioned, all those sort of things, that's going to start mounting. And I think that's something you're better off putting all your chips into getting a guy like Gregory Russo or, or from Miami. He won't be there when they, they take a pick. He won't, but you could, there'll be an edge rusher at the, at the end of the first though. Like you're not going to get a top tier guy, but Shaq Barrett was undrafted. Right. So it's not like 
edge rushers, it's tough to kind of project that and like who's right. going to translate at the next level. There's right. always guys in the mid rounds that like, you know, come up out of nowhere. Definitely. And that's just what I'm saying. I think building your reserves with young guys and having, you already have your Jason Pierre Paul. You already yeah. have your veteran presence with Super Bowl experience, two wins now. So, yeah. you I mean, if you're Shaq Barrett, take. Shaq Barrett's not going to resign in Tampa because they just don't have enough money. He mm-hmm. he wants he has two Super Bowl rings now, right? So like he he's going to go after the money now, right? Right. So I personally, I just look at this Brown situation as they're going to come out. The Baltimore Ravens trying to play Cleveland now. If they get JJ Watt and a good linebacker in the draft, dude, that's that's a tough time with a healthy secondary too. If Grant Delpit comes back good, Denzel Ward and if Greedy Williams ever plays football again, right? It's like that's that's a stout defense who's kind of started to figure could be could be could be could be for sure. But the bones are there and. Miles Garrett healthy, that makes a big difference. So if I'm JJ Watt, I'm looking at that and going, oh, okay, the best young pass rusher in the league in a division that we can win and a team that was two games away from the Super Bowl. I'll take that, right? So Yeah. Yeah, I think if you're JJ, you go to you go to Green Bay, which I think just kind of makes sense for him. I, I don't know why it just seems like a good fit for him. Yeah, because there's there's the or connection. you go to Buffalo or Cleveland. I think those are the top three for him. I think Green Bay is the death rattles coming, and it would kind of just be a souped up version of the end of the Clay Matthews days, where he, there's a lot on his shoulders, but the defense isn't incredibly dynamic. They had a good defense. Well, but- I mean, they have the two Smiths edge rushing right and then they have kenny clark in the middle you right. you throw jj watt into that mix because they run the three four so like jj watt is a perfect three four end at this point in, in his career right you know nose up on the tackle so i think i think i like that fit and they have enough um talent on their front where he's going to be getting single teamed mm-hmm. instead of double teamed and triple teamed like he has in his career right definitely I think, yeah, it's definitely going to be cool to see how it plays out. I just also love that combination of Baker's mentality on the offensive side and then JJ's on the defensive. I think that's two really. Well, that's the thing, right? You're going to get JJ. You get JJ and like you get his production on the field, but his true value comes in that locker room. Right. And for a young and for a young team like Buffalo or Cleveland, that is huge. Right. And especially the true defensive leader is your middle linebacker. And the Browns don't have one of those who they point to and go, This is our guy, this is our Luke Keekley, this is our Brian Urlacher. They don't have that that guy like Levante David, Devin White. So I think having JJ there. That really strengthens things. And I think if JJ's on the Browns when they play Kansas City this year, that's a big difference just in terms of being locked in and being effective in tight scenarios where it's just one play needs to be made to yeah, offense the ball to do something, right? So 
I, I would love to see JJ to the Browns. That's one move that I think would be amazing. And there's going to be, the Browns are going to have to move some pieces. Jarvis Landry and Odell alone have $32 million or something in their contract. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to do something. I don't see Odell back in Cleveland. I know Stefanski has said he's coming back, but I just think they have too many needs that are more pressing than like a superstar wide receiver. And I think they can get good value for o- OBJ still. Like I, I still think he has a lot of trade value, not as much as they gave up for him, but a lot still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So last thing before I got to skedaddle, let's talk about Marcus Mariota. Cause he's, he's the guy getting a lot of buzz as like the quarterback that teams are looking into now. Like yeah. it's, it's like Wentz has been, you know, Colts and Bears, but I feel like teams are the highest on Mariota, and like I think the Patriots and Washington are both really, really high on him. Mm-hmm. And if you're Washington, I think that's. But they re-signed Heineke to a two-year deal. Yeah, but I mean, I I think they're operating under the assumption that Alex Smith doesn't come back. Like he was an amazing feel-good story this year, and like it was remarkable what he actually was able to overcome to get back but i just don't see him playing another year there's no reason to he wasn't like he was good but he wasn't very productive right this year and so i think if you have heineke and you have Mariota and you just have a straight up qb battle you know duke it out to see who starts for this team i think that those are two really good options to go into the season with if you're washington as opposed to giving up a lot for to trade up for a QB or something like that. Yeah, I think it's two really good options, but it's also creating an unnecessary quarterback conversation before the season even starts. And I, I mean, really, they didn't give they didn't give Heineke money. That's like you are the starter. No, def, definitely. They gave him two years, eight million. Right, definitely. But I think with his one performance, there's a lot of what if. And with Mariota, his potential, plus his one game he played, which is like, what if he could be that guy? And I think that kind of conversation creates a little bit of the locker room thing, plus the press being like, who is it, coach? Who is it today? Who is it today? Versus being, we're going to quietly draft someone at some point if someone falls to us. We have Heineke. We're just going to tank if he can't get things going or we'll win the NFC East again with six wins. And, you know, I think Taylor Heineke could get six wins. Why not? I think so too. But I think, I I just don't see why you don't take a flyer on Mariota. If all you got to do is give up like a fourth or fifth round pick Mm -hmm. to bring Mariota into that locker room. And it's like, he was a good sport about being the backup to Derek Carr all year. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't, he wasn't like uh, making a big fuss. And like, even when Derek Carr didn't play well, it wasn't like a huge, like conversation. Right. Right. Definitely. I just think with that fresh thing, with that fresh start, it might make it a little difficult, but I do think regardless. So I think Mariota is an amazing option. I think he, well, like I see, I see mock drafts of like the, of Washington taking Mac Jones with their first overall, with their first round pick. And I just, I don't love that. And I don't see Washington doing that. No, I I still just like the best player available approach. If you don't get the quarterback that you absolutely love and you're willing to die with, take the next best guy, right? Yeah, it's, just number one on the draft board. Right. I I think, I think Mac Jones is like a, 
a dumpster fire waiting to happen. Like he, he had a great season, but he had like one of the all time greatest college football receivers. Oh yeah. Every single one of those guys is going to be a first round pick and a first round running back. Najee Harris, like his offensive line is stacked. It's like, it's not even like two where he was making plays that made you go. Wow. Yeah. It's like, he's throwing to an open spot. It's like, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think teams are like looking at the fact that they, you know, they, they win the national championship. Yeah. 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 The fact that they, yeah. yeah. The fact that they won the national championship and the fact that he put up big numbers, but you know, men lie, women lie. And sometimes numbers lie too. And I think that's, this is a classic case of that. Yeah. My dad said Mac Jones to Mac Andrew. Andrew wishes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't know if that's a joke or if that's an airport somewhere. So he's getting drafted there, but he'll let me know. Um, I really think Mariota could come back and be, I think he could totally redeem his career. And I really hope that he does because he was the first Oregon guy. I mean, up until Justin Herbert, who we all kind of felt like he's got this. Like he's a great runner, but he's a good, he's a pretty good passer. And that game against it was Miami, right? That no, it was the Chargers. It was the Chargers. Was it the Chargers? Yeah, this year he just had great touch on his ball, ran the RPO game and the read option really well. And I don't understand from the Raiders how. You're, if I'm the Raiders, I'm moving car and keeping Mariota. 100%. That's what I was trying to get out. I think that is that is the, the play, 100%, no question. Derek Carr, I'm sorry. We love you. We'll have you on the show. You're not getting it done. Gruden doesn't love you. He's more obsessed with Hunter Renfro and Josh Jacobs, but... Have someone who can compliment that. Marcus Mariotti can run around. No. I don't know. It's it's well, that's a, the thing. You're building like this race car offense. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think Derek Carr has the skill set to run that race car offense. Definitely not. Well, especially not now. I like Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr. I just don't think he's I think he, Gruden is like checked out on him. Yeah, and I think that's tough, and everyone in the building can feel it. And it's funny how coaches will answer a question, be like, he's our guy, and we're going to roll with it and stick with it. And kind of the consumer and the press will eat it up and pass it off in a way, but everyone in the building knows he hates this guy. Jared Goff is our quarterback today. Yeah, that was that was the most blatant example of it. He's yeah, like, as of now, Jared Goff is our quarterback, and he's yeah. gone a week later. Literally a week later, he's yeah. gone and sent off to Motown. Boogie Oogie Oogie. Boogie Oogie, and that's that's sad. L.A. to Detroit in one fell swoop. If yeah, if you're the Raiders, and like I've heard a little bit of buzz of Deshaun Watson to the Raiders for like Derek Carr and a bunch of picks. If you, if you're the Raiders and you, you don't get Deshaun Watson, keep move car, go with Mariota. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone else available that 
gives you a better chance and is more just exciting. You know, like I don't think Mariota was in the right offense in Tennessee. He's not a smash mouth offense, power offense, you know, I formation quarterback. Yeah, he's spread he's it. Not. He's so, a spread it kind of guy. Um, okay, last thing, just a quick question because we're out of time here. But how much longer do you think John Gruden lasts in with the Raiders? Because to me, he's responsible for at least four of those losses last year. If they don't make the playoffs this year, he gets this full season, no question. Mm-hmm. But if they don't make the playoffs this season and they start slow the season after that, I think he's gone. Which is still crazy because that's like five years or something. Five years into his 10-year contract. Dude, that is – there's just something that's always seemed fishy about Gruden to Vegas. And so many of the games this year – this isn't a conspiracy podcast, but there were a couple where he put his team in positions where they could not win. And it just (laughs) seemed like it was the Las Vegas fix. To some degree. And, and the 10 year hey, deal. To, did you ever hear that theory that they're doing this 10 year deal to Vegas and they're going to like boost it and build attraction to move the Raiders to Mexico City? Did you ever hear about that? No. Because they were doing those Mexico games for a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, they probably would have kept doing them. But apparently there was chatter that they're going to try and move the Raiders from Vegas to Mexico City eventually or expand to there. And, and the Gruden thing was to build attention. Like the 10 year deal was to build attention towards that. So I don't um, know if uh, they don't start producing and like that division is tough now because the chargers were, you know, I will know they finished second in the division actually, but like the chargers are young and up and coming. I think Denver is young and up and coming. Mm-hmm. And it's like the Raiders need to figure it out and start at least being the wild card team in that division. It doesn't matter that Kansas City is ahead of you. Like right. you're the Raiders, you're John Gruden, you're on a 10-year, hundred million dollar contract. Figure it out. Definitely. So if they don't start producing, I think Gruden's gone. 100 percent One those fans, those fans are not are not chill dudes, you know? They're they they love their Raiders and they are not gonna stand for like a <laughs> decade of mediocrity with one guy. With one guy. Oh man. Um, I just thought of a great idea though for our YouTube series that we're whipping up shortly, short NFL conspiracies. That'd be pretty I mean, good. That's not bad. That'd yeah. be pretty good. That'd be pretty interesting. Um but we should end this now. I know you have to host another award show. Um you go get him, Tiger. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Where's that cat of yours? Show him to the camera. He's, I don't know if you can see me sleeping on those boxes. <laughs> oh, I love that guy. All right. Well, this has been great. Thanks, everyone, for watching. This has been episode 35 of Otis Floyd. Otis Floyd. Otis Floyd. And, uh, yeah. Thank you. All right. See you guys. It's a fumble. He can go all the way. Touchdown. That's how winning is done. That's why we lift all them weights. It's a game of inches, gentlemen. Respect is earned. Riffside. Not little.